Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have a fantastic interview for all of you listeners with the 2022 NCAA Division I Women's Singles Champion, of course, her University of Texas Longhorns, also captured the second of back-to-back national team championships this season as well. Of course, I am referring to Peyton Stearns, who joins us on the podcast today to talk about her prolific run in Champaign, the difficulties of repeating as back-to-back team championships, the growth she saw in her team from a tumultuous fall to that national championship in Champaign this spring. Of course, we also had to discuss with Peyton her recent decision to turn pro. Of course, it helps to hopefully have that U.S. Open main draw wildcard coming at the start of September, but I wanted to ask Peyton why she felt she was ready to begin her pro career wanted to talk about the first steps in that pro career as well. It is a fantastic conversation that we know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, if you missed our recap of everything that happened in Champaign, head on over to the Great Shot podcast feed. We were joined by the GOAT, Colette Lewis, Crack Rackets contributor John Parsons as well to recap everything that happened. We handed out some awards as well. And of course, we still have more college tennis-centric content down the pipeline this summer for all of you listeners. But again, if you're looking for those final thoughts on the 2022 season, head on over to the Great Shot podcast feed. Of course, if you're looking for updates on everything happening in the Pro Tour, the mini break podcast feed, the place for you, all that content available on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, the reason we're able to host these Cracked Interviews podcasts day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you, as well as the support we get from our friends at Swing Vision. And Swing Vision at the forefront of all innovations happening related to artificial intelligence in tennis. Simply put, Swing Vision provides you the most efficient way to improve your game. They're going to break down all of the film for you. All you have to do is download the Swing Vision app, set up your phone as a camera each and every time you hit the court. Swing Vision will do the rest. They'll break down the errors, break down the forehands, backhands, slice up your film so that you don't have to waste time doing that. So you can get right to seeing what you need to improve on so that you are the best version of yourself every time you step out on the court. Of course, if you want to learn more about Swing Vision, just click on the link in the description to this podcast. Of course, when you inevitably do learn more, you'll want to sign up. And when you do, Use our promo code CRACK20. Not only will you get $20 off, you'll let them know we sent you there. You'll get a free 14-day pro trial access to all of the data Swing Vision can provide you. Again, learn more by clicking on that link in the description to this podcast and use that promo code CRACK20 when you do sign up. With all of that said, let's get to it. My conversation with 2022 NCAA Division I Women's Singles Champion, Peyton Stearns. Hey, Crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of course, friends who use our Cracked Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code Crack 20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information, one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Please, 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 I'm sorry. 
Joining us on the podcast for the first time today is a guest many of you will have seen competing over the past few weeks during the NCAA championships. Of course, you all know her best as a two-time NCAA team champion and the 2022 NCAA women's singles title winner. Welcome onto the program, I think a friend of the show, and now professional pro player Peyton Stearns. Peyton, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Getting along. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I feel as though the past week had or past, you know, week and a half, it had to have been a lot. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, if you don't mind, run me through. Obviously, I want to talk about Title Town. want to talk about watching you in Champagne. And by the way, congratulations once again. It was <laughs> very fun to get to cover all of that action. And, you know, you never forget the first national championship you called. And so, Peyton Stearns, you will always be in the first national championship I called. But since that moment, you know, 10 days, what did that look like for you? Took a couple of days off. Okay. Went down to Florida with my dad for just a little hang time, you know, uh, Chilling down there, playing a little bit of tennis, came back home for my brother's grad party and got right back to the court. <laughs> so I heard about the grad party. Did it double as the Peyton Stearns celebration party as well? Did you get to hijack some of it? I did. Yeah. You know, I like to steal a spotlight when it comes to my brother. <laughs> as he's known as Peyton's brother. Yeah. And I like to keep it that way. So I'm really setting the bar high for him in college tennis. Yeah, no, it'll be PS Junior. Uh, it's good. <laughs> I like it. And obviously, again, for you, you know, you talk about getting back on the court right away. We're going in reverse order here. But in the past few days, it was obviously announced that you have made that decision to turn pro. Was that something you were sitting on even prior to the NCAA championships? Or was it this run in Champaign that really solidified that decision? Uh, honestly, I had made the decision probably in December and January and told Howard and Taylor and everyone there uh, at that time in January. But we okay. just kept it under wraps so I could focus on season and go from there. No, good job to you. Parsa didn't find out. I didn't find out. Obviously, you did a good job keeping that secret under wraps. And, you know, with that in mind, you bring up December and January and let's talk about your team this season, what you guys were able to accomplish. Obviously, you're coming off of an NCAA championship, and while Lulu and Anna were gone, you know, you bring back yourself, Charlotte, uh, Kylie, and so many others, and obviously you bring in an outstanding class of freshmen. That said, and obviously Howard has talked about it publicly since, talk to me about this legendary fall. What was it? 90% of the team had some sort of cast on at some point in November. How... I don't want to say lower things, but what was the fall like? It was odd. Um, <laughs> put, it, put it one way. You know, I think in the month of September to October, we had four, five players in boots um, with all just sorts of different things. Yeah. Um, you know, one was even in, we had a couple girls rolling around in those electric wheelchairs. <laughs> We kind of had fun with it. You know, we went around campus on them, you know, oh, we don't have to walk. We get to go on an electric scooter. But um, I don't think we really got to establish that team environment because of it. Um, but once January hit, it really kind of came together slowly. But up until that point, it was just like everyone was there for themselves because we were just trying to recover. Yeah, I like most teams, it's backpacks or, you know, everyone's wearing the team shirt. You guys are rocking electric wheelchairs. That's worthy, <laughs> by the way, of national champions. You don't, you shouldn't be walking to class. You should be scooting. But, you know, it's interesting to hear you say, you know, about that camaraderie as a team because I had the chance to watch you all in 2021 and I was at the national indoors where even though you guys lost that final match to UNC and you know I'm getting this in now because there's so much winning this is like the one loss you guys have experienced you know you could tell right away even with the four freshmen in the starting lineup that your team even in January you guys had it or five freshmen however many it was that the talent was there and that it was just okay now there's four months to get better we will see them come May. I was at the National Indoors this year as well. With all due respect, and obviously tough draw for you guys and to play an Oklahoma team where it was their coming out party, that's one thing. But that was not the case in February of this year. And, you know, again, it's worth noting, you guys were all sophomores and freshmen in the starting lineup in that national championship match. 
were there times throughout the fall where you felt that young, where it was like, oh, okay, we really don't have, we haven't gelled quite yet? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, freshman year, we had leaders on the team. We had seniors um, who really helped us navigate through everything and put us in our place a little bit. Sure. And this year it was like, you know, we are all sophomores with one junior. It's it's kind of tough because we're still navigating and then people are coming. So we're trying to drag our own weight plus their weight. We don't really have the lay of the land. And especially with all the injuries, we couldn't really establish that team environment and atmosphere and connection. And I think it took a while for us as sophomores to really step up and start pointing fingers at the freshmen and be like, you need to do that. You know, like we're not going to win unless you guys do this and that and came together at the right time. So Yeah, no, it, it obviously ended up working out. And, you know, that's interesting to hear as well, because was it with the injuries, just not a lot of team practices in the fall? Like I'm sure everyone was still trying to get their work in when they could, but was that the biggest difference between perhaps this fall and last fall? Yeah, I think personally, I probably went to 17 practices in the fall. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and a couple of them I couldn't even complete all the way because I wasn't allowed to hit that long. Mm-hmm. So it's just instances like that. You know, we had four or five players out in the court and just like, it's like a lesson out there. Yeah, you know? Exactly. I mean, I just remember because Howard's just like, there's so many players injured. Why am I going to make y'all sit on the bench when you could be doing rehab and whatnot and getting in the extra work off the court? So we were all doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Who wore the boot the best? Who pulled it off best? Because obviously you guys were all rocking that boot to practice. Who, you know, who pulled it off? <laughs> I'd have to say Alara because she had the shoe game to match with it. So yeah. kind of made the boot stand out. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like that. But, you know, again, looking through the course of the season, you guys get to the National Indoors. And for what it's worth, you do go two and one there. But, you know, immediately after North Carolina State knocks you guys off at home 4-3, and then you guys take a tough loss at Stanford. I'm curious, looking through the schedule this year, that 4-3 win at Cal at the end of February, and again, I know I'm picking specific matches here, but it felt like that might have been a turning point for you all. How important was that match to buying in after, you know, three losses, which you had one loss your entire first season? Yeah, I think after, because Cal came right after Stanford, and yeah. after that Stanford match, I think everyone on the team was deflated, mm-hmm. would be the right word. I remember we drove down to Cal, or up up to Cal, <laughs> and one, one of those ways, and uh, we were at the hotel, and no one was really saying anything. Um, we all kind of went to our rooms, went to bed, and that was that. I remember the next day at practice, just, it was a mopey vibe to give the least. Even I, I was the same way. Cause I was just like, that was a, not a bad loss, but a heartbreaking loss because it was quick and somewhat easy if you look at it. And I think everyone got it together a little bit and each brought it a little bit more on court against Cal. And we were like, okay, we're each bringing it this much. And look what we did. What if we all brought it this much and the rest of this history? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it absolutely clicks. And, you know, for you personally, obviously you had a ton of success last season. I think you went 13-4 and four overall at the number one spot, which obviously is very difficult to do under any circumstance. You know, after that Stanford match where obviously you're knocked off by Connie in three sets, uh, straight sets, three sets, one of the two results, it's all blended in together for me as well. But, you know, after that, you win 14 consecutive decisions, and obviously you look through the course of the season, a remarkable season by any metric, and obviously it ends with an NCAA singles title, but you look overall for you this season, 24-2 and two at that number one single spot. What was different this year? I mean, because obviously the record was good last season, but for you to A, finish as many matches as you did at the number one spot, that just doesn't happen very frequently. You know, what allowed you to hit that next level of success this season? What changed? I want to say my mentality and my physique. Uh, Since last year, I've definitely gotten in better shape uh, working off court, that kind of thing. But at the same time, just the mentality, I'm a big hitter. I like going for winners and just who I am and how I am. And I 
started working the point a little bit more and being a little bit more picky with what I go for when I go for it and whatnot. And I found that it honestly pays off because I have such a big ball that when I'm moving these girls side to side or even corner, corner or whatnot, it gets them tired, you know, and they start going for those stupid winners up the line. It's like, if you make it, you make it, you miss it, you miss it. So I think that's paid off a lot. And just also not wanting to lose. I wouldn't say that last year I wanted to lose because no one wants to lose, but this year it really hit closer that I wanted to win. Like as soon as I stepped out on court, it's business. I don't care who you were across the net. I wanted to tear you to shreds. And that's exactly what I did this year. And it's paid off. No. And it's so interesting to hear you talk about that because I think the match that epitomizes that mind shift, there are two I would point to. And I want to start with the mental side because again, I happened to be at that NCAA finals last season in Orlando. And I was there in that round of 16 against Ohio State where you did not play well. And, you know, Arena took it to you. And obviously that's going to happen at the highest level of college tennis. But I really feel like when, when we look at your two years of college tennis, that's sort of inflection point number one, because after that, to see what you were able to do the next two rounds, and then, you know, down a set to Ashley in that NCAA singles final, and somehow we've never had you on the show to discuss this, that's on me, but I think it's twofold. A, obviously, 98.82% of the credit goes to you. But then I swear to God, 1.18% goes to the Texas men's team who just like were locked in with you and said, hey, Peyton, this is your match. You're the best player on the court. And I know this is just like a one match instance, but tennis is very much a confidence based sport. And to be down a set the way you were and to have them there still cheering you on and saying, hey, you're the best. I mean, again, I know I just explained the point there for you, but I'm still going to ask the question. Was that one of those matches where beating Ashley, you sort of buy into yourself and you say, okay, like maybe I am that good? Yeah, definitely. Them being there, I think the first set, I lost so many deuce points and I was so down on myself. I was like, I can't win deuce points today. I, <laughs> I just can't. And I was just losing and losing and losing and it was going so fast and I think I was also nervous. It was the finals. It's like, yeah. I want to win for my team. And I remember the guys came over and they were just getting rowdy and loud for me. And I would hit a winner and they would be like going crazy. Like I won the match. I was like, Hey, just one by one, just keep working the point. You know, like it's tennis. It's not that hard. You know, you can make it hard if you want it to. Yeah. And I think after that, I kind of got everything rolling and outcome went my way. Yeah. And, you know, again, part two, you talk about the patience and I think the best goal that, well, by the way, how fun is that to have that guy? I mean, cause obviously they were there this year as well. I know this sounds stupid, but can you hear them? I mean, there are a lot of fans, but can you be like, that's Elliot. That was a CM roar. Like, oh, there's Cleve in the background. Do you know what's going on? Are you attentive to it? Oh, absolutely. I, I vividly remember this year when I was playing Lane in the finals, Elliot, multiple occasions, just throw his arms up in the air. Like, like oh, that's Elliot. Let's go, Elliot. Like, just, I could tell. Yeah, no, that's what makes college tennis so fun. And, you know, you bring up Lane. I think that epitomizes the patience where it's just Lane's going to throw everything at you. And obviously for you to have the success against her that you did, I feel like that's a match that maybe freshman Peyton – doesn't get through or certainly maybe gets knocked off once or twice along the way. Like it is, I feel like that's the opponent that maybe now you talk about having the weapons. It's like, I, I have the biggest weapon on the court. I'm going to wait until my, I have my opportunity to impose myself. No, absolutely. Last year, I think she might've beaten me like this, or it might've been a third set and we wouldn't have gotten to finish because she's just going to make balls. I'm going to hit a winner on four stair. Yeah. And I'm not going to wait for the right shot to go for. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, obviously this year you were able to do that. And, you know, again, for your team to click the way that it did down the home stretch to, you know, be 0-2 against Oklahoma, beat them in the Big 12 championships. Could you tell you guys were rolling going into the NCAA tournament? How different was the mindset going into that tournament versus the national indoors? Full disclosure, before Big 12s, we had a team meeting, actually. <laughs> And uh, it went well in the sense of everyone got to the point and we went out it on court. You know, there was some hiccups, but 
<laughs> Nevertheless, it worked out. And I think everyone realized that we all wanted to win. And in order for us to win, everyone had to be a part of it, no matter if you were on or off court. Um, you know, if you're, if you're not playing or you're done playing, you better go cheer your heart out because it helps just having someone on the sidelines. And if you are playing, get to business and get it done, you know, fight, even if you're losing, it's not over till you shake their hand. And I think everyone brought that. And even when one player on the team wasn't feeling it that day, you had five other girls on the court who were, and who were fighting too. So it really worked out. Last year, you guys rolled through the big 12, not to be disrespectful to any of the other schools, but just go look at the results. How helpful was it this year to have a team like Oklahoma just constantly not only biting at your heels, but obviously, you know, they played you two and two throughout the course of the year? I think it helped, you know, especially losing to them the first time. It kind of put us in our place where we knew that we weren't there yet and we saw the progress slowly. You know, we got whooped by them at indoors and then we played them at home there and we barely lost and four three. And then we played them at Big 12s and I think it was 4-2 or 4-1, and it's same at the finals. You could just see the progress every time. Yeah, no, it was awesome to see. And, you know, again, going into that NCAA championship field, and that's not to say last year's field wasn't good, but it did feel like UNC, you guys, Pepperdine were the clear cut above. This year, I swear you play that NCAA championship 10 times. I think you guys come out with the majority of the championships, but I think there are worlds where each of the teams can sneak off one. You know, did you feel that going into Champaign? And obviously looking at the match scores you guys played throughout the course, I mean, you you know, 4-2 against Virginia, 4-2 against North Carolina, coming down to third sets. It felt like either or matches, you know, I, I, I feel like you guys did peak at the right time. Like it felt like you played your best tennis in Champaign. Yeah, absolutely. I think if we continue playing like that, yeah, we would win majority. But, you know, this year the teams were really good. A lot of the teams that, you know, were struggling, like Oklahoma, for example, we just railed through them last year and this year they were right there with us. Yeah, and, you know, again, with that quarterfinal Virginia in mind, I mean, now we can laugh about it because it's in the past, but, you know, what happened in that match against Emma? <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Um, I think NCAA first round at the host site just has something against me. You know, last year, <laughs> this year, UVA, like, what the heck? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to blame it on that. But, uh, no, honestly, I went in and uh, – I remember just, you know, I know Emma, we played doubles at Cincy Open. I, I know she's a really good player. She's up there. She plays pro events like I do. And I think I overthought the match so much that I got in my own head where I was like, I gave her too much credit, which she was playing very well that day. I will say that she had my game down pat. She was doing the right things. Um, and I was doing the stupidest things on court possible. I remember she pulled me out for a forehand out wide and instead of rolling it, I went for a one up the line. I was like, why did I miss that? I was like, Peyton, what do you mean? Why did you miss that? <laughs> yeah. You went for a point up the line winner on your back foot. Like you can't be that dumb. And I think it just kept spinning out of control to the point where I couldn't stop it. And I think at one point I just accepted it at like three Oh in the second. I was like, today's not your day. Cause even in the rallies, I was telling Justin, I was like, Justin, like I, I can't make the ball. And <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I think it's one of those times where, you know, you just have a couple bad days throughout your year of tennis. It was one of those. And I was just like, of all days, had to be today. You know, yeah. I was so excited to play a good solid match against Emma. Cause I just love quality tennis. You know, that's the best. She's a fair player, fun to play against. Um, I was like, gosh, Peyton, come on. Like can't do something magical here. Like, Get it working. Yeah, no, there are times to your credit where you were lacing the forehand and then Emma was just like, yeah, but watch what I can do. Like to your <laughs> yeah. point, she played excellent. And so yeah. again, high quality match, despite what the scoreline may have looked like. That said, it did also feel like for your team to win without you winning in either singles or doubles, that felt like a big moment for the team, just from a confidence perspective. Yeah, for sure. I think especially because the only other time was Stanford and we lost, I think. It was kind of like, just because I'm not winning doesn't mean the team can't, you know? Yeah. yeah. Everyone keeps their own. Yeah. And, you know, again, you guys play North Carolina. Uh, obviously, you're able to win that match 4-2. And, you know, it comes down to Oklahoma in the final match number four. Was that the ideal opponent 
for you all? Like, especially again for the freshmen who had never played in an NCAA championship match. I feel like all, not all of that, but a lot of that goes out the window because you're like, well, we do, we, you know, the enemy that is Oklahoma, and you know you're going to have to raise your level because of that. Yeah, no offense to Duke, but we wanted Oklahoma to win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, a lot of it's just the rivalry between the two. We wanted to play Oklahoma for that finals. Um, we knew their games. We knew what we were getting. We knew what to expect. You know, they're loud, very loud. Um, credit to them. But we knew what was coming, and we embraced it. Yeah. And, no. yeah. yeah, got the job. And obviously, with that in mind, Stanford back-to-back, Florida's back-to-back, Texas women. Those are the three programs in history that have won back-to-back titles. And obviously the Texas women had some success in the early 90s. I think they won 93-95. Shout out to 1995. Shout out, by the way, I was doing my research and I was going on Tennis Abstract, which has all the birthdays. October 8th, October 6th over on this. Ah, so shout okay. out to the October squad. Uh, where I, Again, you got the forehand. I got the ability to talk for whatever it's <laughs> worth. Um, but, you know, for to be able – in your two years to say, you know, I want two NCAA championships. Obviously, that does not happen very frequently. You know, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to the program? You know, to me, it definitely helps the career. Just having that behind my back forever just gets you in the door to a lot of different things and not even just tennis itself, but sports in general, jobs, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, For the program, I mean, it's crazy to think that the group who won it in 95 are looking at us like, wow, that was us. And I'm hoping that maybe in the next couple of years, not when I'm that older, (laughs) I do the same thing. We're winning more Natty champs. And it's just like, that would be huge for the program itself to kind of create a powerhouse for tennis there. Mm -hmm. And last year, Howard danced. Did he dance this year? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's dancing. Do you guys have the video? We don't. He would not let us video. He would not let us video. Yeah. He like literally goes, put your phones away and check. We're yeah. like, don't have our phones. That doesn't count. Oh, yeah, that's good. Does Taylor dance? I can't see Taylor breaking it down. He does. Yeah, he did. Okay, because like Justin dances. That's yeah, that's yeah. Enough. yeah, that's like that's nothing. Um, but you know, again, and I want to talk about your college experience, your takeaways. But we look at the individual side, and I was talking with your mom before the start of the final, and I was saying like I think this is Peyton's what fifteenth match, and she goes, "No, it's literally her fifteenth match in Champagne." Um. You know, that next day after the team championship, I always feel like that's the day where you have to decide, am I going to play this team championship or am I just going to let this go? Obviously, it helps to have that U.S. Open wild card as the carrot hanging at the end of the stick. But how difficult is, you know, is it more difficult physically or mentally to have to be in Champaign for the two weeks and go through the grind that you did? Mentally. I mean, physically as well, of course. Um, but mentally and after last year, when I lost second round, I realized that, I mean, I had to be in much better shape than what I was last year. If I wanted to get this done this year and just mentally, I had to be able to bring it every single day because, you know, last year you saw a lot of spikes up and down with my matches. I had to be very consistent overall. And, you know, it was like, we won team and got to, you know, celebrate a little bit with the team, hang out. And the next day it was back to business. Yeah. Did you look at your draw at any point? Are you like, are you serious? Because you really, there were, I mean, again, Sydney Ratliff, superstar freshman for Ohio State. But after that, it's Yepafanova, Scotty, Cayetano, and just on and on and on, obviously. You know, if the day it's that to me is always tough too is that quarterfinal day because that's the first day when things really start to clear out. And, you know, you don't have all the teammates hanging around. You don't have all the coaches still hanging around as well. And, you know, on that day, it felt like Aaron almost got you. Like, you know, again, when she wins that second set 6-1 playing extraordinary tennis. How is dealing with the wind, by the way? Were you happy to be back in the Midwest? No, not at all. (laughs) I didn't miss the wind. (laughs) Yeah. And so, no, obviously, again, you're able to find that level. Did you talk with Howard and Taylor before? Because obviously Justin had been on your court all year. You know, why was it important to you to have him on your court during the individuals as well? And if so, why? 
Yeah, you know, I'd actually gone up to Howard and I asked, you know, will Justin be on my court during singles? And he said, it's whatever you want. If you want him out there, you can have him out there. But I was planning on it. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Because he's really got my MO down. Um, you know, I sometimes will pull the trigger too early and kind of freak out. And he'll just be there like, no, no, like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. He's very good at nitpicking on what I should be thinking a little bit. And when I need to cool off, like, He'll just literally point at me sometimes and go, go to your towel. <laughs> like, <just> go <laughs> take a breather. And I think he knows how to handle me on court very well. And it's helped me learn how to handle myself as well for these pro events coming up. Cause you can't coach on court for those. Yeah. Um, so no, and he gets really into it. He gets really pumped too. So that yeah. helps. So I'm going to ask you to put on your player hat for a second. I'm going to step into the coaching box when you smoke a forehand, but you know, every so often it'll hit the back fence. My response would be, I don't know if you hit that one hard enough. Like, would that be a good thing to say to you? Or would you be like, go to court four? <laughs> I think I'd start laughing and be like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah. And then I'd be like, no, you know, maybe a little harder next time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you could see the connection you guys had. And, again, someone's going to hire Justin to be an assistant somewhere. And they really should because, obviously, he was special. You know, you semifinal day, you move indoors. As a Midwesterner. I always think moving indoors is the easiest thing in the world. I'm like, please, like indoor conditions. Now I get to kill you. Uh, I mean, my version of kill you, not your version of kill you. <laughs> is it? It was the transition going. You know, I like. I feel like in the final day, and it happened to be a beautiful day, but it felt like both you and Connie, you could tell a little bit. Like it's harder to make that tra- transition back outdoors afterwards. Oh, absolutely. And you know, knowing my opponent in the semis, she was a grinder. I was like. Yeah. Indoor tennis against a grinder. That is <laughs> amazing. You know, outdoor tennis against a grinder, that's always tough. You got to really work the point. I was like, indoors? Pff, forget yeah. about it. Let's go. It did that's feel like, summer. by the way, against Diaz Delgado in that semifinal, you were up a break in that third, uh, in that second set. She got that break back. Of all the matches you played, that even against Aaron, where Aaron will just do that, where she laces four hands and matched you shot for shot again, that had everything to do with her. I thought nothing to do with you. That was just fantastic tennis. But it did feel like if, if Del- Diaz Delgado was able to take that second set, that was the only time in the individuals I thought, oh, she might be out of gas. Like, am I wrong? No, you're totally right. <laughs> I, I was literally telling myself at 3, 4, 15, 40, I was like, you need to win the set. <laughs> if yeah. you lose the set, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could just start laying on the ground and cramping. Like, we need to get off this court. <laughs> yeah, and again, credit to you. You were able to do that. What was different about the final against Connie versus at Stanford? Um, Playing the way I should be playing versus playing the way I did. At okay. uh, Stanford, it was a lot of Connie makes a lot of balls. She's able to do things, you know, little angles, slice it. She's very crafty. And I was not patient at all against her at Stanford. And I remember Justin coming to me and he goes, I rewatched the match from Stanford. He's like, you almost beat this girl playing the absolute wrong way. He goes, imagine if you actually played right. I was like, fair point. (laughs) No, that's a version of my coach. And that's what I would have done. Okay. I like this. Yeah. So that's what I did. And it turned out my way, you know, played smart tennis, hit heavy, looking for the right ball, went for it. You know, if she hit a good shot off of it, great shot, you know, so be it. Try to do that multiple more times. And that's the real test. And, you know, it worked out. And Justin was happy that his coaching skills had had paid off. (laughs) Yeah. And for you, obviously, to get to play that match in Champaign, not that far from your hometown. I know people were able to travel over and watch. I mean, you are now an NCAA singles champion. And I believe first in Texas women's tennis history to be named as such. And first player since Nicole Gibbs back in Champaign 2013 to win both the team and the singles title in the same season you know, again, what does that mean to you and, you know, to have that final note in your college career to end in that way has to be special. It is totally. Um, I think it's more meaningful in the sense of the sport itself, Mm -hmm. you know, college tennis doesn't get a lot of publicity. It's, It's what it is and it stinks, but a lot of people don't really realize how great of athletes are in tennis itself in college. And I'm really hoping to see like 
you know, me, Nicole Gibbs, and we're now playing on the pro tour. Granted, I'm not at that top level yet, but hopefully soon will be like, hopefully more kids do go to college for women's tennis. And they kind of create this powerhouse where they go to college for a year or two, and then they go on the pro tour and being in college just really gets you fit and ready for that pro tour instead of like a, and do I skip college? Is it even worth going? Like, I mean, it's, it's huge. I think it helped me develop so many different skills on and off court. Yeah. Well, you beat me to the question. I go back to 2019, 24 and 16 overall in pro tour matches, and you make a 25K final, and you know you beat Emma in the quarterfinals of that 25K final many moons ago, pre-pandemic. That's how long ago that was. But obviously, you had had some pro success. You had had some junior success. Looking back on it now, and you have turned pro, and you sort of addressed it there, but what did you get out of your college career? And it sounds like you would recommend it to players who are in that position you were in in 2019 now. No, totally. Because at pro events, you lose your out. And you have a week till your next next event. And it's just like, you got to travel. You got to get ready. You got to recover. You got to find hits. And in college tennis, it's two matches in one week and you get a day off. You know what you're getting every single day. You know what you're coming into. And I think just that repetition of, matches, matches, practice, good hits, like structure for my case, um, just everything laid out for you is really nice to have and just work on so many different things mm-hmm. where if you hop right into the pro event and you're not up there already, it's tough to do that. You know, you lose first round the next day you're out playing a match with someone in the tournament where if I lost the match in college, the next day I can go, Hey, Taylor Howard, like I want to work on this. And they're right there for ready for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I obviously you mentioned Taylor and Howard there, and I think this is an obvious thing, but, you know, coaching obviously is going to be important to any player's college experience. That said, I'm sure it was nice to get a little two-year sabbatical in the warm weather in Austin, maybe sometimes too warm, but, you know, for you in particular, if you're if someone asks you, Peyton, what should I factor in my college decision? Is coaching the number one thing? You know, how important were Howard and Taylor to your development? They were pretty big, I would yeah. say. Um, you know, you're working with them every day. So the coaches are super important. You know, if you like them, if you don't mesh well, that's a huge deal. If you if you don't mesh well, that's not the right choice there. It's on you right now. And if you do mesh well, perfect. But also the team, too, because if you end up on the wrong team, it's not going to be fun to be there and you're not going to have a good time either. And that kind of correlates over to tennis, at least for me. If I'm not happy, I'm not playing good tennis. Mm -hmm. And not to be disrespectful to any player you beat or any other player across the country, because if you listen to this podcast enough, you know I say college tennis, the quality is higher than it's ever been from one to six. Go watch the clinching matches at three or, or five down the home stretch of that match. Tell me that's not outstanding tennis in the NCAA championship. That said, again, 24 and two for you this season. Yeah, there were a couple of losses to players like Connie and Emma, who certainly could go play pro tour tennis themselves. But was it, you know, again, for a player of your caliber, was it still challenging enough? Like, did you feel yourself still getting better at all points through your two seasons? Yeah, Absolutely. Because a lot of times the hardest matches are the easiest ones. Okay. You know, I can play lights out tennis against a very good player because there's no pressure. But when there's pressure on the line of the team winning, you know, you beating your opponent, there's a lot going on. And not only that, even if you're supposed to win, I had a lot of matches where it was a lot tighter than it probably should have been, but it correlated to the fans, the atmosphere where I was playing at. I remember I played at OSU. And I'm pretty sure OSU hates me, <laughs> but I did, I did not start the fight. I swear the crowd, the soccer team came in and they were just really getting into it with me. And I was like, guys, like you can't be doing that during the point. I'm sorry. That's just how tennis is. Yeah. And they thought I was bickering with them on the other side. So then the adults started getting into it with me. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Like I got whooped the second sex. I just was getting like this from both sides and I remember I played the girl again at big 12s and it was like done. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's a huge factor too. Just mentally makes you stronger as well. Yeah. No, I mean, I was talking with Stevie Johnson once on a podcast. You can listen at crackrockets.com free plug. Um, and he 
well, I asked him. I thought it was stupid at the time, but I was just like, does it help to have once been the best in the world at something? Which, like, I know it's a small subsect of humans, but, like, you were the best college tennis player in the world. And down 4-2 at that challenger event, you can say to yourself, well, I, you know, I do have confidence in myself because I know what being the best at something means and having that pressure. Is that what you're alluding to there? Like, again, knowing maybe you'll be... Who knows? I mean, you're ranked in the top 400, so maybe you don't have to do this trip, but you're over playing 25Ks in small country in Europe where it's 4-2 in the third, and you say, well, you know, I do have the confidence in myself because I've, you know, you guys weren't at Iowa State. Like, you you don't know what that's like. Yeah, definitely just because you're not ranked number one in junior tennis. There's only one number one mm-hmm. in so many things, but – I think a big thing I'm going to be telling myself this summer is if you can get through 15 matches in nine days, I think you can come back in the third set. (laughs) I like that. That's a good, no, that definitely keep that one. And obviously you've had some pro success and you go into this ranked number 384 in the world. And, you know, with that in mind, I think hopefully the USDA will stick with tradition, offer you that US Open main draw wild card in September. Um, Prior to that, what do the next few months look like for you? I heard a rumor that Haley Carter is going to be hanging around. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I actually found out she's part of the USTA collegiate travel team this summer. Um, I think she was going to Dallas in one other tournament. I want to say Evansville or Lexington, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, so she's going to be there for those so she can help me out and all that. But, uh, you know, going to Sumter next week, Kansas, uh, Columbus is up in the air right now. I got an award that I'll be flown out to LA for. So kind of figuring out which one I want to do, um, which is tough. And then, you know, just the sixties, 25s, and hopefully in August, get some wild cards my way into the WTA events. So let's just say it now, WTA Cleveland, I'm going to be there as the MC of the event. I guess that's a little news for our crack rackets fans. Just say the word. Like, there's no – the wild card's coming. Come on. Like, <laughs> we, let, let, well, I'm going to pencil that one in for your schedule now. But all right, so it sounds like are you going to stay more stateside than make that European push or go, you know, outside the country? Yeah, I'm going to stay in the States until, you know, after the Open. I think it's just more beneficial kind of creating that environment of what I'm going to do, how I'm going to train, get everything situated before I just be like – Oh, see, I'm going to Italy. <laughs> yeah. So that brings me to the next question. Do you have that set up yet? Are you, you know, staying in Ohio? Are you going to go Florida, California, Texas? What are you thinking? Yeah. So my parents actually got a little retirement vacation home down in Florida um, okay. that conveniently I can stay at, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Conveniently in their words. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm working with Gabby. He's located down in Florida. So I'll be hopping around down there with him. You know, also be in Cincinnati a lot, too, because it's where I grew up. I can't leave Cincy and uh, working with some of the people around here. I've got a trainer here, got a trainer down there. So got the best of both worlds wherever I am. Yeah, the Cincinnati wild cards, the obvious one, by the way. Hopefully we'll get to see you play both of those events uh, again. But obviously it's going to be fun for you, uh, I'm sure, to get to try. I mean, are, are you ready? It sounds like you are ready to undergo this part of the career and go through the travel and the week-to-week grind. Are you prepared for all that entails? Absolutely. I think, you know, this month and next month going to these places like Kansas and something South Carolina – there is a bright side to the end of the tunnel of the bigger events in August. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and obviously it's going to be fun to see as you compete, and I'm sure you're going to see a lot of familiar college faces as well. By the way, I forgot to throw in two college questions. A, is there anything better, and I know I've asked you this before, than a Howard Joffe just, Texas! Like, just, <laughs> you know it's coming, because I think, I'm pretty sure that's the only word he can speak during a dual match. Like, that's all I've ever seen him utter. Never coaching, it's just a strong Texas fist pump. Obviously, it works. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I think I'm so used to it that it just kind of... It's out there, yeah. you know, but it is it is funny how he does it. Yeah, there's nothing I enjoy more. And, you know, again, I meant to say, and obviously you were part of a superstar freshman class. To see how far did the freshmen come from the start of the season to the end of it? And obviously you're leaving now, but, you know, there's still – pretty full roster uh that's sitting there in austin you know what should we expect from the longhorns moving forward 
hopefully a lot more championships yeah <laughs> you know hopefully another one next year that would be nice <laughs> yeah will you be at ncaa's hopefully schedule pending no you'll be at in paris that's that's the answer there i know that one that was on bad Ho- question hopefully I'm in paris. <laughs> yeah leave that like cut that leave that out west off um, i'll be watching yeah. online no matter what <laughs> no exactly but so all right your freshman class versus their freshman class it's a four five on five duel they get tarati and because there are only three of them no there are four of them and they get tarati as their fifth who are you taking all right I'm gonna take us. Yeah. Yeah. Is Charlotte playing four just because? You're like, look, you're you're just gonna play four in our five line. That's just how it has to work. <laughs> We're gonna stack so hard on our side. <laughs> and you know, with Kylie on our team and Charlotte, game over with. They're gonna get in your heads like that. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Now, did you guys was that how the dual matches I mean the practices would work this year? Would it go old heads versus the young ones? Um, no, we would just kind of get randomly matched up, but we did have a three out of five set one day that we kind of did teams, but not really because it rained and then we had to be thrown out again, but it it was fun. You know, people got into it. (laughs) Yeah. Who'd you, who'd you play? I played. So that day I played Charlotte Okay. because of the rain and everything. It just messed everything up completely, but we originally were supposed to. So we were all kind of bummed about that. But. Yeah, three out of five sets. I tried it once. One of my buddies was graduating college, and he was like, let's play before I move back to L.A. And I was like, all right, that sounds – and, it, like, miserable. After the third set, because we split the – like, yeah, I was down two sets to one. I was like, I, I'm i not coming back. I was like, this isn't Wimbledon. There's not <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line. This will be a 6-2 set or quicker. Um, and, yeah, that, that does sound enjoyable. And, obviously uh, – got you physically in the right place because to your point uh, obviously to see the progression you made as a player on the court leader off the court was so enjoyable to watch from our perspective here at Crack Rackets and I know college tennis fans everywhere feel the same way um, now of course there are teams and coaches and players across the country who are more than happy to see you be done with college tennis but I know everyone actually will miss having you and obviously you know of the past two years two NCAA team championships and NCAA singles championships. The results speak for themselves. So Peyton, congratulations on obviously the crowning achievement in NCAA singles title. And we are wishing you luck and success uh, throughout the course of your pro career. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, by the way, you know, again, when you get those wild cards, me, not Parsa, me, not Parsa. That's the message <laughs> I'm just sending out because he'll message you. But like, come on, will he have you on? He'll, the he'll message me and I'll be like, OK, I should probably text Alex. Then. Yeah, exactly. That's all I ever want is just coaches in the back of their head to for some reason feel guilty and be like, should I also be texting Alex? And the answer is yes, you should. Yes. be. But again, Payne, congratulations. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. And I'm sure we will talk to you more soon. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with NCAA singles champion Peyton Stearns. A huge thank you to Peyton for taking the time to join the show. I can only imagine how many press requests she has gotten over the past 14 days. One can only imagine how overwhelming an experience like winning the team and singles championships than going pro can be for any person. So again, really appreciate her taking the time to chat with us, being as candid as she is. She will always be a friend of the program here at Crack Rackets. And of course, we are wishing her success as she moves into the early stages of her pro career. By the way, we don't have to wish her success. That pro success is coming. I am quite certain we will be talking about her on plenty of podcasts in the near future. But of course, again, really appreciate Peyton 
taking the time to chat. If you are wondering what else is happening right now in the tennis world, we've got you covered here at Cracked Rackets. Of course, every Monday we break down the ATP Challenger Tour, Damian Kuss, Jakob Bobro over on the Great Shot podcast feed. We're going to get that GSP feed rocking and rolling again next week. I do apologize. It was a little bit of a lax week in terms of GSP content. Of course, we've broken down every week's ATP WTA action over on the mini break pod, but we're going to get rocking and rolling, get back to doing the things we love, talking tiers, talking contenders, talking sleepers, players to watch as we go into the second half of the pro season, college players making noise on the pro level. There's plenty for us to discuss. We'll get back to doing that, of course, over the next few months. I do also want to mention, if you're looking for good tennis to watch on the weekends, we've got you covered. The USTA, SoCal Pro Circuit, six pro events in seven weeks happening in the Southern California area. Last week, it was Talia Gibson, the talented 17-year-old August Holmgren, the recent NCAA men's singles finalist, uh, winning the singles titles, which, of course, we were fortunate enough to broadcast on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Again, we've got five more events coming over the next six weeks. You go look at the draws. You've got players like Adrian Boytans, Gabriel Diallos, uh, you know, players like that of the world, of course. You've got a Zena Lova from a Texas. You've got a Jessica Fela, recent graduate from Pepperdine, who's ascending up the pro rankings plenty of intrigue, plenty of fantastic tennis. And again, if you're looking for that action every Saturday, every Sunday, we'll have it for you on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Shout out as well to our friends at Swing Vision. Again, learn more about what they're doing to help improve your tennis game by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. Use that promo code CRACK20. When you do inevitably sign up, of course, with all that said, for the fantastic Peyton Stearns, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 